Hello, and welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. I'm Melissa Riccobono, and I'm here with... Anil Lewis. Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. Well, thank you, Anil. Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. Oh, I guess we could just... I said that already. I guess we yeah. could just uh, keep going on and on. But, That's true. But we won't. This is the intro that never <laughs> ends. <laughs> but we have uh, more to do than, than that, so yes. we better just kind of get right into it. You know, it's exciting. We have Chris Danielson that we're welcoming back to the Nation's Blind Podcast. We haven't heard from Chris Yeah, for a I remember while. him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Chris Danielson. Good guy. Yeah. <laughs> he is a great guy. Yeah. yeah. And we get a chance to talk about living the life we want. Absolutely. Well, that's if this is the life you want to live. I, I originally thought that I did not. This time we're going to be talking about traveling internationally, and I thought, mm, not for me. Uh, but once uh, a friend of mine had on her bucket list to go to Italy and uh, she convinced me to go with her and I went and I had a wonderful time. Mm. Yeah, So going to get encourage people to live the life you want. That's right. You know, that's, that's interesting. I don't know that traveling internationally would have been on my list either necessarily. I guess mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it one way or the other. But then. Mark and I decided to take our honeymoon in St. Lucia, and Woo-hoo. that's kind of what hooked me. It was like, oh yeah, this is okay. Look I can, at that. Yeah. I can deal. I can deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just a really interesting experience, and I'm I'm hoping to actually go to Japan with my son, Amari, oh. because I I think the thing wow. I learned in traveling internationally was. It, it it gets you out of this American paradigm. I mm-hmm. still think America is the greatest country in the world, but I think that in so many instances, there's so much that we can learn uh, from other cultures, and uh, we don't do that if we don't really take the opportunity to get kind of semi-immersed yes. in that. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, speaking of immersion, uh, Ashley Albee traveled to Spain, and mm-hmm. you know she got pretty immersed, and she's she's our receptionist here at the Jernigan Institute. And uh, wonderful young lady, wonderful young lady, multilingual. I was just going to say she speaks three or four languages. She's she's a great, great lady. If you ever have a chance to talk to her, she's probably the one that's answering the phone here. But she talks with Chris Danielson. And actually, Chris has done some traveling abroad as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So Chris talks a little bit about his experiences traveling abroad. Um, Chris is a cane user. And Ashley talks about her experiences traveling abroad. And she happens to be a guide dog user. So. I've actually never taken uh, my guide dogs internationally. Mm. I just, that's, I uh, just, I've never done it. I've, yeah. I've always just thought, I hear it's oh. a really logistical challenge of the vaccinations and all, all those things. Yeah. I've just never wanted to deal with that. Yeah. Um, but Ashley, Ashley did. And so she has some tips and tricks um, regarding that and just traveling abroad in general. Nice. So hopefully this particular episode will encourage all of you to, to take that next step and start traveling internationally. This is Chris Danielson on the Nation's Blind Podcast. Haven't been with you folks for a while, so it's good to be back. And I have with me a lady that some of you have probably had a chance to meet, uh, and her name is... Hi, um, I'm very happy to be here, and I'm Ashley. Hi, Ashley. And Ashley, for those of you who don't know, tell tell the folks what you do here at the NFB Jernigan Institute. I am the receptionist here. So when you call the NFB Jernigan Institute, the friendly voice you hear most of the day is that of Ashley. And your last name is Albie. Albie, yes, that's correct. Okay, terrific. And you are also an accomplished world traveler. Is that right? Um, Yes, I've been to many, um, been to quite a few countries. So where have you been? Because we have to compare notes because I've been to a few myself. Oh, okay. Um, well, before studying abroad, I've been to England, Italy, France. i um, been to France twice. And Spain, also Portugal, 
and Mexico, Guadalajara, Mexico. Wow, you are ahead of me, but I have been to England, Italy, Spain, and Mexico. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yes. I love great countries. And also to Scotland and Ireland. So. Oh, I, I want to go there. Yeah, great <laughs> places. So you studied abroad, is that correct? I did, yes. What were you, what were you studying and where did you study abroad? So in college, I majored in Spanish, minored in French. So I did a program both in France and Spain, um, four weeks in France, in Lille, France, at the Catholic University of Lille. I studied conversation and grammar there, and then in uh, as well as culture. And then in Spain, I was in Salamanca for six months, and I studied um, language, conversation, grammar, and culture there as well. Fantastic. So are you fluent in French and Spanish? Pretty high level, yes. High advanced in in both. Okay. Well, I'm not going to challenge you to a conversation because (laughs) I am not fluent in either. So so as far as I'm concerned, you're fluent. And how many of these countries did you travel to with your guide dog? Uh, France and Spain and Portugal. Okay. What do you need to know if you're a blind person considering traveling abroad with a guide dog? Uh, one really good tip I can give is that I was fortunate to find the website Mobility in the International USA, and it's very good to get a health certificate for your dog by the USDA. So you'll the your vet should know about this, but there's a health certificate that they will fill out, and uh, you go get it notarized, and then you take it with you to the country that you're going to or countries, and that way it shows them proof that your dog has had all of its shots and vaccinations. And I also know when I went to France, I had to go to a vet over there that they made a booklet that also kind of say the same thing. So I called it like his puppy passport. And I would say give yourself plenty of time. I would say if you know you're going abroad within a year, you know, six months to start planning. Um, It may not take that long. It just, you know, I I had a vet that didn't really know much about it. So I had to really educate and find out about it. Um, So my advice would be just to to plan as well. It takes time. so, So don't wait until a month before you go out. Give it three to four months. Okay. So you can research the requirements in the particular country you're going to. Yes. And all of that. Mm-hmm. And what kind of experiences did you did you have as a blind traveler? What other things did you did you learn, either you know, dealing with the guide dog or or otherwise? I think I think it's good sometimes in cultures you kinda of have to go with the flow. Um it's not gonna be like it is back here in the US all the time per se. You know, for example, this was before I had training, before I'm the independent, you know, the the, the structured discovery travel that I am today. Um, but back then I'd had someone who had taught me Salamanca and I remember saying, oh, you should count your steps. And that's not really, you know, a great thing to do. So it's just, it's just interesting how maybe different cultures perceive uh, blind travelers or things of that nature. Did you, when you were in Spain, did you have any encounters with ONSE, the Association of the Blind over there? Um, I did not. I know of them, but they only work with people who are citizens. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, when I went, uh, I went on a trip last year, and actually our colleagues, uh, Maurice Pere and Luann Blake, uh, were there too, and we did meet uh, the members of the uh, uh, some of the members of Onse. They were out selling lottery tickets because what they do is they sell these lottery tickets, and that's how Onse makes all of its money and how it's able to provide services. They essentially run the national lottery for Spain. Wow, I think that's pretty. That's pretty neat. 
in any of the other countries you visited, did you interact with any of the associations of blind people or, or service entities for the blind at all? I did not back then. Something I wish I would have done. It would have been neat to meet others, you know, over right. there. But I, yeah, not, not at that time. Okay. Well, understandable. You know, now that you've traveled abroad and had, you know, and since had the benefit of uh, structured discovery or, I mean, I guess what kinds of things do you wish you had known traveling abroad that, that would have been useful? Uh, well, structured discovery would, would be one. <laughs> um, that would have been great to have known. Um, as far as... Well, how did you... Let me ask you this, because uh, I have some experiences about this to discuss as well. How did you find... Obviously, the cultures are different. How did you find in the different cultures that you were treated as a blind person in comparison or in contrast to how we're sometimes treated in the USA? With travel, I, I can't really think of, you know, anyways. I remember in Spain, you know, people would not really be so much hands-on. It's, it really they finally asked for help. Or sometimes people would come up to me and say, do you need help? Uh, but most of the time, I, you know, people would only usually bother me if I well not really bother me but people would usually approach me if I if I ask them for help um so this is interesting because I've had very similar experiences and and the people that did approach you and ask you if you needed help if you said that you didn't did they leave you alone or were they persistent like they actually people... left, they left me alone and I yeah. really appreciate that I loved it it was great no one tried to put their hands on me and you know direct me um they they didn't you know scream if I was lining up with the curb you know um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it it was great yeah it was interesting because I've had very um, very similar experiences in the European countries because uh, even when people felt like they needed to ask if I needed help if I said no they usually left me alone after that um, people are a lot more polite and respectful of your personal space and. Uh, a little less persistent about things was my experience. Yes, exactly. I would. I had the same. Which, which I think is interesting because we always hear that expectations are lower for blind people in in other countries, and I'm sure they are in some ways. But I don't know if it's a politeness thing or or what it is. But it just seemed a lot easier to a lot easier to refuse help than it sometimes is. Oh, yes. Yeah, and and I would agree with you. It it definitely isn't in other ways. I I did experience that, so. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What was your favorite place to visit and and why? Or do you have a favorite even? Oh, that's so difficult. (laughs) I loved all of it. Okay, could it be two or just only one? No, you don't (laughs) have to pick only one. Okay. I think in France, I love seeing uh, Nancy, or Nancy as we say in English, and uh, Metz. So it was really neat to see those two places. Um, I also went to Paris or, or Paris. Paris, yeah. Um, I greatly enjoyed Paris or Paris, but that was not my you know absolute favorite, but I really did enjoy it. Um, and then in Spain, I loved going to Galicia. Um, Galicia is very beautiful. And I think going to Bilbao, which is in the northern part of Spain, and Segovia. Oh, wow. Well, those are places that I didn't go. So Italy is one of my favorite places to visit. Uh, where did you go in Italy? So I went, I don't know if you've heard of this small town. It's a little small town called Forli. Oh, never heard of that. It's such a really cool town. We stayed there. Um, this is when I was with uh, People to People. I got nominated in high school 
to go and that was one of the destinations that we went we stayed with the host family there for a few nights and it was a really nice little town what's that like staying with a host family because i'm always fascinated by the way people really live in in different countries uh i you know that's one thing i love about traveling i love experiencing the cultures and it was really neat because i learned that over there they eat cereal with warm milk and it's it was actually really really good and that chocolate is not nearly as sweet there as it is here right they prefer the darker uh, yes. the, yeah more more bitter chocolate i remember i asked for a hot chocolate in spain in a little town called piniscola and they literally gave me this like instead of like cocoa it was like melted chocolate in a mug um oh yeah it was so good <laughs> it was so good oh my gosh we went to this uh, thing in spain called chocolate valor or chocolate valor and it was it was a wonderful like chocolate shop that had like you just said the drink with the chocolate and like churros they were really oh good. my gosh those are so good yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I love them and with ice cream oh my gosh absolutely yes no better way to eat them than with ice cream okay so we we now moved on from travel into food so I think oh, we better sorry. stop before <laughs> I get hungry yes. but uh, but yeah just uh, just. Just so many fascinating places to visit. So if blind people are thinking of, of traveling abroad, what are your what are your feelings about it? I, I feel like I've had pretty good experiences, and I, I encourage people to go if they can. But I know for a lot of blind people, it, it feels like something that, that maybe doesn't seem like they're, they're ready to do. Do you have any advice for people on that score? I would say... Go for it. It's a wonderful feeling. It's wonderful to experience culture and travel. I think you get a new perspective on life and you 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 see, you know, just different ways of cultures. And with a guide dog, absolutely take your dog with you. I loved working in both France and Spain with my dog and he adapted really, really well. So I think the important thing to know, though, is to really know your dog and to know, you know, are they really going to, some dogs can handle the change in environments and other dogs, it stresses them out. So you really have to know your dog, but I would say absolutely take the dog. It's, it's a wonderful thing to work, work in countries with, with your dog. Right. And if you're not a dog user, I can say as a cane user, it's still great to uh, travel abroad. The cane is uh, pretty well recognized everywhere that I've been in some form or another. And uh, people respect it. And, you know, you'll find that people are very, mostly at least in Europe and in Mexico, I would say, too, uh, very respectful, very helpful and interesting places to visit. It does help to have a little bit of a language skill, depending on the country that you're going to. But I would say, Ashley, what I found is if if, for example, in Spain or Mexico, if I tried to use the little bit of Spanish I had, they would try to use the little bit of English that they had, and it often worked out. Absolutely. Yeah, I say, you know, at least try, at least say hello to them in their language and, and just express them that you don't maybe speak much of their language, and they're they're truly helpful. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we've queued everybody up to start planning some trips, and thank you for being on the Nation's Blind Podcast. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Well, you know, Ashley makes it sound doable, certainly, uh, traveling internationally with a guide dog. Maybe uh, my, my dog's retired right now, but if I get another dog, maybe I will try that sometime. Aww, poor Formosa doesn't get to travel internationally because no, she's retired. she's Aww. retired. <laughs>
poor Formosa my eye. She's the champion of napping. <laughs> How about that? That's my vocational goal right there. Yeah. Well, you know, she is 12, and a friend of mine said the other day, well, when I'm 84, because, you know, 12 times 7, yeah. 84 in dog year, she said, no. I hope I can take naps whenever I want to. <laughs> well, I, I want to take naps now. But, but, but until then, I want to travel internationally. I, I yeah. love this. I, I love uh, the encouragement. I, I think this is, again, one of the key pieces of what the Federation does just organically, right? Because learning through someone else's lived experience does several things. One, as you pointed out, it gives you some best practices, you know, so yes. that you can prepare and be be ready. But also I think it, it encourages people who thought that potentially they would not be able to do it to at least try it. Yeah. You know, once once you see someone else has done it successfully and how much fun it can be, then the fear is kind of alleviated and it becomes more of a challenge. Right. Exactly. And I thought it was a really good point that Ashley talks about the training Mm -hmm. and how that training, how she was able to do it without the structure discovery training, Mm -hmm. but how she really wishes she'd had that training first. And, you know, that's that's really a powerful message and something really to think about that that training, no matter what your goals are in life, that training is really and that confidence is really what enables you. Yeah. to live the life you want. It's that truly. secure foundation that makes yep. you feel comfortable in, in trying anything and everything. Yes, yeah, definitely. So again, I'm a little bit jealous that, uh, you know, they got the opportunity. So maybe we can do a podcast after you and I, you know, travel internationally. Oh, we'll, we'll, that, we'll, would, that would be good. Be or, or a, a podcast on cruising. I, I love cruise They're ships. Nice. They're awesome. They're nice. fun. Yeah. Well, our next uh, episodes are going to be about back to school, uh, which will be, I can't believe it's going to be August. Um, I'm not (laughs) quite ready for back to school myself. I have a lot to do before we get there. That's different for a parent. I used to love when it was time to go back to school. Well, you know, Oriana's in Louisiana and Elizabeth's been at her Clayworks camp all week um, from pretty much 9 to 4.30. And, um, you know, Austin's. Austin's actually been really helpful and just, you know, kind of doing his thing because he's older. So uh, I think <laughs> if that wasn't the week that I'd had, I might be with you more <laughs> than I'm yeah. really anxious gotcha. <laughs> for back to school. Gotcha. But it was, it's been a pretty, pretty reasonable week. Uh, you know, until then, if you have anything to share with us regarding back to school or traveling or anything else you might want to share, you can leave us some feedback. Mm-hmm. You could call us at 410 410- Six five nine nine three one four extension two four four four. You can tweet us at NFB underscore voice. You can visit our Facebook page. Just search for National Federation of the Blind. Or you can email us podcast at nfb.org. Nice. And until then, remember, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. <laughs>